So listen, we have been in this series now for three weeks. Before we jump back in, of course, we have to finish our competition. And so I want to invite our families to come up uh, and finish our competition. Keith is not here, but Summer and the rest of her 27 kids can come up if, uh, if y'all want to come up. And then um, Christian, let's bring Christian, Jessica, and Philip. Uh, let's bring them all up. Y'all are going to tackle this one. And uh, come on, come on, Cindy, where are you going? All right, all right. So here's what we're doing, y'all. If you've been with us, you know what's going on. Whoever wins, that was an unfair advantage, disadvantage, unfair disadvantage. Uh, each of the, They didn't get to work on it for two weeks in a row. Okay, so here's what's going on if you haven't been with us. Okay, the series that we're in is called Some Assembly Required. And I talked about how putting together a tricycle is the devil, y'all. Anybody had, ever had to do it? So we're having a competition, this family versus these two families. But it, it hasn't been this way this whole time. And uh, whoever wins is going to get this gigantic uh, basket of awesome stuff that Miss Susie put together. It's huge, y'all. You get uh, ice cream and a night on the town, Ralph and Cuse, a date with you. I mean, it is bad to the bone. And you get a $100 bill to take your, your, your family out with. So here we go. And the, uh, the, we got two minutes and 30 seconds that they're going to go at this on your mark. Get set. Go. I don't know. You better find it. A minute and 42 seconds left. Fifty-seven, fifty-six, fifty-five, fifty-four. Thirty seconds left. There you go. Come on, y'all. Hey, seven, four, three, 
two, one. All right, all tools down, all tools down. Let's see what we got. We are very, very close over here. Oh, that turns the steering wheel. Kid doesn't get to steer himself, the child. I think we have an extra screw. You have an extra screw? That's the only thing we have. Okay, well, this one is pretty. Anybody want to sit on here while I push it down the stairs? No? Okay, let me see. Let me see what's going on here. Oh. This one is custom. You can do a full 360. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so what we have here, I'm going to let Summer choose because their tricycle is more put together than the other tricycle. Summer, you did not complete the task. You have an extra screw. Would you prefer this big thing of goodies or would you prefer what is in the envelope? The, the screw died. They got like seven extra screws. Don't they? There's an extra? Okay, let me check this thing. Let me check this. That seat is way crooked. I don't know. It's on there? Okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. Do you want the $100 or do you want the night out on the town? It's got all this stuff, Ralph and Cuckoo's, I don't know, date night, games. What do y'all want? Oh, we don't have time for all that. Pick. <laughs> okay, Summer's taking this. She's taking the $100. Oh, my God. Okay, this is going to go to Christian and Jessica. Wait, I got something else for them. That's going to go to you guys. And this one is going to go to Philip and Cindy. Would y'all give it up for them? All right. So some of you may be sitting here thinking, what in the world? Why did we waste all that time on these people that don't know how to put together a tricycle? Hey, don't judge them. I bet you couldn't have done it either. It's tough. It's tough stuff. Listen, so the purpose of what we were doing here is a couple of reasons. Number one is because at Clawson, we like to have fun. Somebody say amen. amen. And then secondly, because just as you can see with this tricycle versus that tricycle over there, God, God did not design the tricycle. Man designed this tricycle that when you take the instructions and you put this tricycle together like it's supposed to be put together, what happens is it functions properly. Somebody say amen. amen. When you take it and you don't put it together the way that it's supposed to be put together, then it does not... <laughs> We're going to act like that did not happen. It does not function properly. Okay, listen, just like God has given us instructions, y'all. He's given us instructions. And when we put together our family the way that God has told us and instructed us to put together our family, what happens is our family works the way that it is intended and supposed to work. Somebody say amen. But when we put our family together in a way that it's not supposed to be together, what happens is it does not function the way that it was meant to function. Amen? So we have been digging, I got instructions, we have been digging into this, the roles 
of uh, the, 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 the Christ in our family, the role of the husband in the family, the role today of the wife in the family. Could you put up the, the umbrella that we've been using? This is, what, uh, this is what gave me the idea for this series. So we have here, and this is what we've been preaching about so far, Christ is the head of the husband. The husband is the head of the wife. The wife is the head over the children. And this is what it's supposed to look like to set up our family. Somebody say Amen. What happens so many times is our families do not get set up the correct way. Okay, so I preached, already talked about Christ and the head and how we put him as the head. I preached last week about the husband and the husband's job is to serve and love the wife. We see this, protect the family, lead the family and provide for the family. If I could take his whole job description and put it into one thing, it would be Christ, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Hey, wives. How has your husbands done this week? They've been loving you pretty good. Did they learn anything last week? Oh, man. Husbands, you need to come to the altar call with your wives this week. This morning is going to be very similar to last week. The message today is geared towards a specific group of people um, or two groups of people. And so the first one is going to be we're going to talk about the wife. So, husbands, turn over to your wives and tell them it's your turn. The title of the message is The Role of the Wife. And then in closing this morning, I'm going to come back with, since there's only one role for the kids, the role for the kids. And I'm going to tackle that this week, too. Uh, Number one in your notes is this. You ready? Wives should always cook every meal with a smile on their face and give their husbands free massages. Okay, if you listened to the message last week, you know that was a joke. That was a lie. Uh, That was not number one in your notes. In fact, I figured there's absolutely no way that I am qualified to share the roles of a wife because I am not a wife. So I have invited to share with you uh, the greatest wife on this planet. Would you give it up for my wife as she comes? I told her, I said, babe, I just want you to know I preached hard to the husbands last week, so I need you to crucify the wives this week. Well, thank you so much. I don't get to be in the sanctuary very often. Normally, I am upstairs with your kids, and if you have kids upstairs, let me just brag on them for a minute. You have some precious, precious babies. I love them with my whole heart. They are so sweet. And they have stolen a little piece of my heart ever since they goes home with them. Um, But I'm super excited to be in here with you guys today. And I'm excited about this message. And I'm going to pray. I want to pray over the ladies in here today that God will just open up our eyes and our hearts and allow us to be the women that God has called us to be. So if you'll just bow your head. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to be in your house this morning. For the opportunity to worship you, to just be in your presence today. As I have this opportunity to speak to the women in this room, I pray that you use me as a vessel to speak to them exactly what you want them to hear. I pray that you open up their hearts and their ears so that they can be ready to receive what you have for them. I pray that each and every woman in here is just desperate to learn your ways and walk in them. I pray that every wife chooses to love her husband well and practices the roles that you've laid out for her in your word. I pray that every mother will exhibit patience and grace to her children, her family, and 
everyone around her, even on those difficult days, Lord God. I pray every word that she speaks will be peace and bring peace and reflect Christ. Give her the strength when she faces trials and temptations and grace when she stumbles. Lord God, let her walk in joy as she remembers her salvation and that you are the giver of all good gifts. I pray that her faith is increased and that she is reminded that you that she can be confident because you are working all things for her good and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so last week Josh read Ephesians 5 and he went over the role of the husband. So I wanna go back to that same verse and see what it says about the roles of a wife. So Ephesians 5, 22 and 24, it says, for the wives... This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As a church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So I only have a limited amount of mic time. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right on in. If you're taking notes, point number one, a wife is designed to submit. I see it already, the eye rolls, the, I knew she was going to say that. The word submission, when we hear it for whatever reason, it just automatically makes our blood start to boil. Like, we don't like hearing that. But submission really is a beautiful thing. It's just got a really bad rep. In fact, Christ submitted himself. He laid down his life for us, and he has called all of us to live surrendered, submissive lives unto him. I think when we think of submission, we think of things like inferior to men, a doormat, no questions asked, just do whatever he says, blind obedience, but that's not true. In fact, it's an honor for me to submit to Josh because I know when I'm submitting to Josh that I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do and I'm honoring him through that submission. Now, of course, a man can abuse that. I've seen it. He can abuse it. But if we're submitting and we're surrendering as unto God, like the scripture said, then God honors that. He sees you submitting and he honors that and he is going to be in that. Now, if Josh told me to go rob a bank or to commit some sin, of course I'm not going to submit to that. My number one is always God. I'm always going to obey him in everything. But short of sin, I'm going to submit to my husband because that's what God has called me to do. And I'm honoring God in that way. Now, I also realize that not all husbands make it easy to submit. I am thankful and I'm blessed because my husband does. He makes it very easy. But there are many marriages where that's not the case. How many husbands in here, you want your wife to submit? They're all shaking their heads. Y'all want to raise your hands, but you're not going to. You can't lie in church. I see it. I see it in your face. You want to know why it is so easy for me to submit to my husband? He doesn't lord his authority over me. He's not a bully. He's not a tyrant. In fact, in 17 years of marriage, I don't think I've ever even heard him utter those words. He leads like a servant leader. He has a servant's heart. He strives with everything in him to be more Christ-like every single day. And I see it and I watch it. And because of that, I trust him. 
I trust that he hears from God. I know without a shadow of a doubt that that man loves me. That he is going to do everything in his power to put my best interest first. That he's listening to God and he's leading our family in the direction that God wants it to go. So because of that, it's easy for me to submit to him. Husbands, your leadership should reflect Christ. I get it. Not everybody has that. But it doesn't mean you won't get there. We're all on a journey. Husbands are like, I thought you were here to talk to the wives. What the world? I'm sorry, I am. Okay, back to the wives. Wives, here's the thing. You're not married to Jesus Christ. He's not perfect. Big kicker. Neither are you. So we've got two imperfect people that have came together. So that calls for a lot of grace. We've got to have a lot of grace in order for a marriage to work. My husband, he's not always going to make the right decision. Sometimes the decision that he makes is just off and it's wrong. And that's okay because you know what? I don't always make the, the right decision either. And we have to have grace for one another. So just like earlier when I told the husbands that Josh made it easy to submit because he led like Christ leads, if you want your husband to lead like Christ leads, then you have to help him by submitting. In fact, that is what God called us to be. We were created to be helpmates. We see this in Genesis 2:18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. God has given us a duty to help our husbands become all that he has called them to be. You should be your husband's number one fan. Every husband wants a wife that is on his team, that coaches him when necessary, but more than anything is his cheerleader. He needs somebody that he knows is behind him, that has his back, that believes in him, that appreciates him, that is cheering him on as he goes off into the world. So we need to make it a point to bolster our husband's confidence. So number one, a wife is to submit. Number two, a wife slash mom is designed to nurture. So not all women are wives and not all wives are mothers. But for those of us that are, this point is for you. Women were designed to nurture. It's the way God made us. Even if you're not a mom, have you noticed that women just tend to nurture something or someone? It's just like bread in us. When I looked up what the number one job that most women choose is, do you know what it was? A teacher. And then followed closely by a nurse. Why do we dominate in those fields? Because we're nurturers. That's what comes natural to us. What does it mean to nurture? Nurture means to help something or someone to grow, develop, or succeed. We were born to nurture. It's who we are. God has biologically created us moms with hormone levels that change so that we can bond with our newborn. I remember when I was pregnant with our first son, before he was born, I was so scared. I was like, this baby is going to get here. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to have no idea what to do. I'm going to mess him up. That's what's going to happen. 
But God has designed it so that you just know. I remember when he was born and they placed him on my chest. It's like, no questions asked. I just immediately knew exactly what he needed. I remember hearing, they, they said this and I was like, that is the craziest thing. I remember hearing his different cries and I knew if he was wet, I knew if he was hungry, I knew if he just wanted to be cuddled by the way he cried because God placed that inside of us to nurture and to love our kids. So I'm sure most of you have heard this. Um, it's called the Frederick experiment, but on the off chance that you haven't, I'm going to tell you about it. So back in, I think the late 1300s, there was this king, King Frederick of Sicily, and he wanted to know what the natural language of a human being was. So he had this great idea to do this experiment to answer this question, right? So he gets five babies. He takes them from birth. He takes them away from their mothers, and he places them in the care of nurses. Now, these nurses only had two rules. One was, you're not allowed to talk in the baby's presence whatsoever, and you're not allowed to touch them, okay? So these babies were fed, and they were washed, but they had zero human contact whatsoever. So what does that mean, no contact? I mean, they weren't talked to, they weren't touched, they weren't loved on, nothing. No contact. They lived in a completely muted world. He wanted no outside forces um, affecting this experiment. He was hoping to learn the language that, that God had given to Adam and Eve because he thought that if there was no outside forces that what God naturally put in them would come out. Unfortunately, before these babies learned to communicate, all five were dead. And a historian said that they literally died from lack of touch. No contact. In modern medicine today, it would, they would call it a failure to thrive. We literally fail to thrive if we're not nurtured or cared for. When our children feel nurtured, it enables them to thrive and to be secure. On the other hand, if they're not nurtured, then they're extremely insecure. Studies show that their life expectancy is lower. They literally gradually die from lack of nurture. Now, we as moms are built to nurture our kids and we do this by making sure that they know they are loved. If you're a mom of more than one kid, you know that every single kid receives love differently and it can be super complicated. But it's our job as moms to figure out what their love language is and make sure that we're loving our kids in a way that they receive it. I am a mom of four. Every single one of my kids is different. Not a single one of them receives, receives love in the same way. It's the craziest thing. So my oldest son, he's 16, and he is affectionate. He wants to be cuddled. Even to this day, he still come crawl up in my lap. He wants, to, he wants me to hug him. He wants to love on me. My youngest son, Aiden, is a touch-me-not. When I go to hug him, he literally does this. He'll say, his words out of his mouth will say, could you not? Every time I hug him, I hug him anyway because I love him, but he does not want me to touch him, which makes it even more fun. Sometimes I just do it to aggravate him. 
But his love language is quality time. If I want to show Aiden that I love him, then I need to play a game with him. I need to find a show on TV that he wants to watch and watch that with him. He enjoys quality time. Kanan, as if his head's not big enough, he loves compliments. I can tell Kanan that I'm so proud of him, that he did an awesome job, that he's great, and I can literally see it beaming off of him. He will smile from ear to ear. Emmy, she wants it all. She wants attention. She wants the quality time. She wants uh, compliments. She wants cuddles. Yeah, she wants it all. She's a mess. <laughs> but we have to show them their love in a way that they receive it. It is important that we're showing them we love them by enjoying time with them, by tending to their needs, by choosing words that build them up. And guess what? Our husbands need to feel loved too. Love means being committed to intimacy. Yep, I'm going there. I'm sorry. I know that there is a lot more to love than that, but we're looking at how he receives love. And in order to know how he receives it, we have to see it through his perspective, not just ours. And surveys show that intimacy is one of a man's biggest need, his most important need. And when a wife resists or is uninterested or is passively interested, her husband feels rejected. And marriages every single day are dying from a lack of touch, from a failure to thrive. And all the husbands are like, preach. <laughs> my husband needs to know that he is more important and he is higher on my priority list than the houseworks and the projects and the activities, than all the extracurricular activities my kids are in. And even my kids, because under the umbrella, he comes first. And I need to make sure that I'm saving some energy for him and I'm not being selfish and living for only my needs and my wants. It's important that we still make time for each other a priority. I'm sure that he's already told you this, but Fridays are our days. We had this problem for a long time. As moms, it is so easy for us to get wrapped up in our kids, but that's not the order. The order is God, husband, wife, kids. Your kids cannot come before your husband. It is so important that you have your priorities right. And for a long time, especially when they're small, it's so easy to put them first because their needs seem bigger. So a couple of years ago, we had this problem. And what happens is you just slowly drift away because you don't make time and you don't make each other a priority. So we decided, look, this isn't working. You have, if we don't put it on the schedule first, it's not going to happen because all the little things start piling in. So we said, you know what? We're off on Fridays. Friday is our day. We ship the kids off to school for the next eight hours. It is just Josh and Chrissy time. So do not call. Do not text. Hopefully we don't have any emergency <laughs> because that is our time. We also try to, to schedule in two date nights a month so that we can make sure that we are a priority to one another. It's so important to your marriage. It's so important for your husband to feel like he's a priority and to feel like he's loved. So nurturing is loving our families by providing physical and emotional needs, 
But let's look at that definition again. It said, to help something grow, develop, and succeed. I would imagine if I asked every mom in here what you wanted for your kids, all of us would say, I want my kid to be happy, and I want my kid to succeed. I know I do. That's what I want more than anything in the world, is for them to be happy and for them to succeed. Well, in order for them to do that, we are going to have to teach and guide them. But not only in life skills and in education, we need to be teaching them to walk in godliness. So Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. We do this by teaching them how to pray. We teach them how to read God's word, but not just read it, to apply it to their lives. Because if they're just reading it, it's not doing them any good. And then we teach them how to love others because that's the number one command. But most importantly, we do all of this teaching by leading an example because our kids learn so much more by watching you versus what you tell them. You can't just talk the talk. You've got to walk the walk. So regardless of your, if your kids are young and they're still at home or if they're grown and they're living their own lives, they are still watching you. You are still an example of what making a good decision looks like. And you are sowing seeds into them that will produce fruits that we'll see for a lifetime to come. Just like Paul encouraged the church when he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's how we should be teaching our kids. So as mothers, as wives, it's our responsibility to nurture our families to grow, develop, and succeed. Number three, a mom is designed to comfort. Last week, Josh talked about how a man's natural instinct is to protect. Well, a woman is built with this natural instinct to comfort. When my boys were little and they would hurt themselves or they would fall down, 100% of the time, I would hear, Mama! Do you know how many times I heard, Daddy! None, never. They never called for Daddy. Why? Because they knew if they called for me, I'm running. I'm running. I'm picking them up. I'm kissing knees. I'm wiping away tears. I'm comforting, I'm comforting them. They call for Daddy. He's going to say, get up. You're fine. <laughs> Emmy, on the other hand, sometimes she does call for Daddy. But she just wants all the sympathy. And Daddy, for some reason, he doesn't ever tell her to just get up. She's fine. Um, also, sometimes she just calls for daddy because she got a whooping for me because daddy doesn't whoop her. <laughs> so she calls her daddy. But for the most part, our kids come to moms. They come to us in their broken moments because they want us to comfort them. The question is, how do we respond? How do we respond when they come to us? I don't know about you, but my life is very busy. Four kids, all of them in activities, church on top of that, trying to fit in time with my husband. It gets insane. And sometimes it's really easy when my kids come to me with stuff to just brush it off or ignore it. But it needs to be a priority not to miss those opportunities. 
And now that my boys are growing up and they're teenagers, I'm beginning to realize more and more how important it is to hold them close. Josh makes fun of me at home. He says that my kids are never going to be independent, that I do everything for them, and they're going to need me for everything. (laughs) Rylan is 16, and Josh made fun of him because he couldn't go get a haircut by himself. He needed his mama to come with him. And <laughs> and they couldn't they couldn't buy their own school clothes. Mom had to go with them to help them shop for their school clothes. I can't even tell you how many times he's got to kick them all out of my bed. But you know what? I love it because I know one day they're not going to be there. One day I'm going to wake up and my house is going to be empty, and I don't want to look back and say, "Man, I missed opportunities with my kids." I miss time to be that comfort for them. I want to say, God, I took the time that you gave me, and I was there, and I was present. I want you to think over the last few days. Were there times where you were too busy to listen? Was Facebook or text message or a phone call more important than one of your kids, than your husband? Every day, the choices that we make shapes the families that we will have. Every day, we're given multiple opportunities to comfort our kids. And sometimes there are moments that we don't even recognize. The scraped knee, the broken toy, the friendship that's no longer, the relationship that's in shambles. But the way we respond when they come to us is key. Being a comforting mom is a true blessing. Because there are so many that have never had that mom hug. They've never had those comforting words. They've never had that listening ear. And you have the opportunity to be that for someone. Don't take your family for granted. We should embrace the comfort that God gives us and instill it into our kids. I want to leave you with this reminder on comfort. During your spiritual difficult times in your life, how did God respond when you came to him? I can tell you how. In his faithfulness, God provided you with comfort, with peace, with strength, and with love in the midst of all your struggles. And as moms, as wives, as Christians, we need to take lessons from the Lord because he is the comforter. I'm going to hand it back over to Josh, and he is going to share with you the role of children. Awesome. Testing, 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 testing. Woo-hoo. Y'all, it is really ridiculous. My kids are never going to be independent. (laughs) 16 and can't go get a haircut. Where's he at? Oh, my gosh. Hiding? I'd hide, too. So listen, real quick. Um, we've covered Christ. We've covered husbands. We've now covered wives. Y'all go home and, uh, and work on that, ladies. <clears throat> real quickly, I want to cover children. Here's the one point for children. And this doesn't matter if you are one or if you're 60. If you're a child, you're a child. If you've got parents, you're a child. Here we go. Children should honor their parents. Honor their parents. Again, one or 60, honor their parents. This is, 
This is still our job with our parents, no matter how old we are. We should show honor. Here's what Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 4, Paul says this. He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, listen to this, in quotes, things will go well for you and you will have long life on earth. Oh, man. Yo, that's good. If you honor your father and your mother, God is so pleased with kids that honor their father and their mother that he gives them this promise. Things will go well for you and you will have long life on earth. First of all, to the the youth, the kids and the youth in the room, I want to say to you as a father, it is not always easy. Thank you. I needed some backup, y'all. Listen, sometimes being a father sucks, y'all. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's emotional. We have to discipline you. It's not a, can I, do I have the option to discipline you? It is literally in my job description. It's to discipline you. If I do not discipline you, Proverbs says a, 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 a man that does not discipline his kid hates his kid. Dads, if you love your kids, discipline them. That's part of your job description. I know it stinks. But guys, you need to understand this is part of who we have to be. God's told us to. Amen? It's not easy. It's our job to discipline you. It's our job to raise you the the right way. Because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And to be honest, we don't always make the right call. We don't always make the right decisions. We're people. It's hard. It's hard to know what we should and should not allow you to do. Amen? It's hard to know how to discipline you when you make mistakes and all we want is for you to do better. So I want to encourage you, especially teenagers, have some grace with your parents. Listen, if you don't like the way that they're raising you, you can always raise your kids a different way. But right now, your job is to honor, obey, respect, and love your parents. Amen? Amen? You know, the cool thing about honoring your parents, when you honor your parents, the Bible says that you make God happy. And you know how I know that you make God happy? Because it says this one comes with a promise for you. This is what I'm, if you do this, this is what I'm going to do for you. You're making God happy. And then the second thing, it's, it's always beneficial to honor your parents. Because when you honor your parents, you make your parents happy. There's no other time that I want to reward my kids than when they're honoring me and when they're obeying me. Let me give you kind of an example of this. So probably about three weeks ago, I called my boys and I said, hey, y'all, I'm going to be home in like two hours. So before I get home, I want y'all to have your chores done and I want your rooms done. So get your chores done and don't do like this halfway junk that you do. Like I want it swept and mopped. I want it to look good. When I get home, all your stuff needs to be done and your rooms need to be done. And you got about two hours. That's plenty of time. None of them have chores that are like overwhelming. It's like one of them does the kitchen, one of them does the bathrooms, one of them does the living room and then their bedrooms. And so it's not like this massive. I could get all of their chores done in two hours, all of them. So they should be able to get their chores done in two hours. So I get home. Let me ask y'all, do y'all think their chores are done? 
The chores are not done. So I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to do here? Don't get mad. Don't show your butt like you do sometimes. Just what do you need to do? So I call them all downstairs. Hey, guys, y'all come downstairs real quick. Did I, did I call y'all two hours ago? Yeah, yeah, you called. Oh, one of them said, oh, crap. Yeah, did, I called you. What did I say when I called y'all? You said that you wanted to have our chores done and our rooms done. Are your chores done? No, chores aren't done. Okay, well, give me your phones real quick. I want to take your phones, and I'm going to give you your phones back after the weekend's over. I think this was a Thursday. I'm going to give you for your, phone, your phones back on Monday. You're not going to have your phones for the weekend, and you're not going anywhere until all of the stuff that I asked to be done is done. So don't plan on going to a friend's house or anything like that until your stuff's done. So Rylan pulls his classic, are you serious? <laughs> That's what he does every time. Anytime I do something, he are you serious? No, Rylan, I'm not serious. <laughs> Never been serious about this ever. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Give me the phone. So he throws the phone, goes on. Aiden, Aiden's usually that kid that's just like, meh. <laughs> meh. But this time he didn't. This time he irritated me. This time he goes, <sighs> threw the phone and walked up the stairs. Oh, son, I will, mm. <laughs> Lord, prepare me <laughs> to be a sanctuary. And then Canaan did something that I was shocked on. Canaan looked down at his chores. We're in the living room. His chores was the living room. And he said, you right. And he walked over and he said, sorry about that. And he handed me his phone and he started doing his chores. And I was like, Whose kid is this? <laughs> we trade ours for somebody else's? What happened here? And so, like, I went upstairs and I told Christy, like, dead gum. I, I was shocked what just happened. Like, Rylan, he pulled the classic Rylan, did this stupid. And then Aiden, you know, whatever with Aiden. But then Kanan, she said, you know, Kanan's been, he's been doing that. He's had a really good attitude about everything. Just like, whatever. And so I was like, well, dead gum, I, I want to reward the attitude. And so she's like, well, reward the attitude. So I said, okay, I thought about it for a little while. And uh, on Friday, I said, Canaan, you remember how yesterday, and I did it in front of my other boys because I wanted my other boys to see what happens when, when you honor your parents and you respect your parents, you should get some honor and some respect back. There should be benefits for you. And so I went in front of my boys and I said, Canaan is getting his phone back on Friday, way before the weekend starting. You know why he's getting his phone back? Because he, he jaw dropped me. He said I was right. And handed me his phone, honoring his dad, and he getting his phone back. You know why? Because I'm happy with what he did. And because I'm happy, I'm rewarding him. Listen, when you honor and you respect your parents, I promise you, it makes your parents want to do things for you. And when you dishonor and when you respect and when you and throw the phone at them, makes them want to throw the phone down where you can't use it ever again. Amen? You just got yourself two weeks. Right? So kids, youth, listen to me. You got one job. I'm not saying your job's easy. Because sometimes what your parents do and the way that parents treat kids, sometimes it sucks too. And I'm not saying that your job's easy, but it is your job. 
and your job is to honor them. You honor them the way that you want them to be the kind of parent that you want them to be. You love them and you obey them. That is your job. Amen? Amen. Amen. As I get ready to give you this week's instructions, I want to invite our worship team to step out and come and join me on the stage. If you have your bulletin, I think the week's instructions are on the back of your bulletin. We've been giving out instructions on the back of your bulletins every week since this whole thing is some assembly required, the instructions for the tricycles, instructions for families. And so every week, the husbands had instructions. The wives today get instructions. We had instructions on putting God first or putting Christ first. Here's our instructions for this morning. Number one, wives, listen to me, make a commitment to submit to your husband's authority as your husband is submitting to the authority of Christ. That's big and it's hard, but it's a part of your job. And I'm sure that when your husband sees you do that, it's gonna want him to be, he's gonna wanna be a better husband. And all the husbands said? Number two, ladies, Christy, (laughs) ladies, (laughs) plan a date night with his favorite things in mind. You know, it's always the, I I don't get it. It's always the guy's job to plan the date night. Always. Shouldn't ever want to, and if if I ask for some, like something from her, like we might as well just not go on the date. Like, hey, where do you want to go? Oh, I want to stay home then. Like, are you kidding me? Like, can't we, can't you just pick something? Ladies, it's your turn this week. You planned and put together a date night with him in mind. I'm curious how this is going to go at my house. (laughs) Mothers, 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 end each night in scripture and prayer with your children. Do your best to nurture and comfort them. Children, pogues, (laughs) clean a part of the house this week that you were not asked to clean. Wow. And then lastly, make it a point to honor and respect your parents through acts of obedience. Instructions for families. I've now given them all out, all the different instructions. Would you stand with me? Listen, I'm believing that God is doing some supernatural things. He's already begun in our families and in our homes with our husbands, with our wives, with our children. I'm believing supernatural things are taking place. I'm believing that tonight, that miracles are gonna take place in our families. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Altar team, would you step out and come to the front? Listen, in just a minute, we're gonna play a worship song and you guys got time to stay for one, I promise. We're gonna play a worship song. If you're here and you're a mother, maybe you need prayer for strength. Maybe you need guidance through some of the things that you're going through. If you're a mom and you need prayer, in just a second, would you come? If you're a mom and you want to make a commitment to be a better, a better wife to your husband, would you step out and come and spend some time with the Lord? If you're a, a student, a kid, and you want God to help you with honoring and obeying your parents, in just a minute, I want you to come. And then lastly, if you need prayer this morning for anything, listen, 
Maybe you're here and you need to get your life, your life right with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you need a miracle. As we start to play this song, as we start to worship him, I want to invite you. Can we make this place a house of prayer? Can you either turn where you're at and begin to pray? Come down to the front and find us a place to pray. Or if you need someone to pray with you, would you step out and come right now? And let's let the Holy Spirit do whatever it is that he wants to do in this place. Right now, as we begin to sing this song, would you come?